0: Kia ora, welcome back to Flying the Fern, powered by New Zealand Stories' Fernmark Licence Programme and produced by Raw Collective. This series is all about telling the real-life stories of well-known New Zealand businesses that carry the official Fernmark logo. We dig into how they came about, the challenges they've overcome, and their contribution to the reputation New Zealand businesses have around the world. Green Kiwi Supplements was formed by 17-year-old Max Donaldson in 2020, who wanted to produce natural health remedies in an environmentally sustainable way. This might sound like a familiar kind of story, but the lengths Max has gone to to ensure his supplements are produced according to the company's values are next level. Green Kiwi Supplements is New Zealand's first locally grown olive leaf supplement company. They're fully traceable and have been developed in a way that's backed by science and embodies the concept of guardianship or kaitiakitanga. Max saw an opportunity in what was originally a waste stream and set about utilising discarded olive leaves in a health context. He's now launched his supplements internationally and was one of New Zealand's youngest entrepreneurs to attend the Global Expo 2020 event in Dubai. Max's can-do commitment to the environment and efficacious natural health products has seen impressive early success, but it hasn't been without its challenges. Green Kiwi's growth belies Max's age and shows the power of values in today's markets.
1: Oh, thanks for the opportunity to be here, David. It's really, really cool. I
0: love it. You're the first person to actually start the introductions yourself. That's great. <laughs> normally, I don't want to say anything, I'm a pro, you see, normally I say welcome, but thank you for welcoming right. That's great. This is I love this. It's this the innovation of youth. Awesome. Well, yeah, I was just like, well, you know. Good on you, Max. Good. Oh, let me kick you off with a the question then. Yep. If you were advising a visitor to New Zealand, so someone who's come here for the first time, mm. what's the must-do thing?
1: I'm from up north, so I'd probably be a bit biased, but probably go up to the Hokianga and go down the uh, sand dunes. That's oh, really? Yeah, I do like that. It's the old sand fun. sliding. Yep, that was something that because I'm actually originally from the Netherlands, and when I came from to the Netherlands, the, yeah, you yeah, say. yeah, oh, yeah okay. they so get so a lot of sand dunes in the Netherlands. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, yeah, I came here when I was really mountain. young, but um, yeah, and when I I remember coming here, and the, one of those things that you do was going up there, and it was yeah. It's so different. It's so different. That's, it's like a desert. Yeah. It's so it's that's just brilliant, and that's yeah. what New Zealand's
0: all about, isn't it? It's these yeah. experiences you don't get in other countries.
1: Yeah. It's just I don't know. We've got so many different landscapes here, right, all in one. Yeah. Place. It's just. So you, been, you, I, I mentioned you're an
0: entrepreneur, and you are. You know, you've started your own business when you were still at school, from what I understand, and it's still going strong. Tell us a little bit about the beginnings of that company.
1: Yeah, so uh, it was through the Young Enterprise Scheme. So Young Enterprise Scheme is largely run, you know, through the Lion Foundation, various other sponsors, and it's throughout secondary schools. And what they aim to do is to provide young people with uh, a business plan, a pitch deck, um, the basic structure on how they can, you know, yep. commercialise an idea. And we had a really, really cool regional coordinator, and I, I liked what they were doing. Yeah, so I jumped on board and signed up the company. Um, At the time, uh, I was quite run down. Yeah. I had quite a few immune system problems and things like that. But I sort of said to Gary, our regional coordinator, I was like, you know, I'd kind of like to develop a, um, a supplement, you know, and that was quite, he was sort of like, what the hell? Like, yeah. this is the- <laughs> it's a bit out of the box.
0: Normally, they're things like, you know, potpourri boxes or That's you know, right. wine,
1: yep. wine holders or stuff like that. You went the full-on <laughs> Yeah, supplement. I was like, okay, right. And so there was, there was a few different things that I'd been trying out over that course of, you know, whatever, how many years I was running. It was probably about two years. And uh, one of them was an olive leaf product. I noticed that they were importing these leaves from Australia, and my neighbour, who i had helped out quite a lot doing harvesting for olive oil, um, we spoke and I did quite a bit of work for him over the last few years. And um, I was harvesting all these leaves and we were dumping them and feeding them to livestock, you know. So you'd, harvest, you'd harvest. And, and at the same time,
0: someone down the road is <laughs> buying them from Australia. That's right.
1: And that, that was kind of where, I guess, that was the founding moment, you know. I was like, right, okay, we need to do something different here, you know. But without a doubt, you know, you kind of walk into it a bit, I guess, clueless is the best way to explain it. You know, you don't know anything yeah. about supplements. You learn so much along the way. And I'm still learning about olive leaves today. You know,
0: it's not... And
1: you did that while you were still at
0: school. just yep. to be super yep. clear to everyone yep. out there. And yep. turned it into a viable business with yep. the product
1: and yep. the customer yep. and sales. Yep. <sighs> yeah. So, we're yeah, I mean, we've been up and running now for probably, well, it's coming up to two years now because, I mean, I've had the idea probably it was 2019 or something like that. So... But yeah. We're across various different house stores around New Zealand and I guess that was one of those main things that the Young Enterprise Scheme was a big supporter of was, you know, how do you get a product into a store? Yep. How do you um, pitch your product effectively? And all those things that was so important. Fantastic. You know? yeah. But then not just New Zealand, you have obviously thinking broader than that. Well, yeah, an opportunity came up through Young Enterprise Scheme uh, and that was called the Global Kaitiakitanga Project. It was really, really cool. And what they aimed to do was to get businesses which were were run by young people, and obviously kaitiakitanga meaning caring for people in place, to get those businesses out of New Zealand and kind of expose them to what it's like to do business overseas. Yeah. And um, I had actually spoken to someone called Paul Sinclair, and he was from only from New Zealand, a company yeah. that's based down in uh, Wellington. And he had done quite a lot of export, and he said to me, he's I remember going on this call with him. And he said, you know, we've been doing a whole lot of work up in Dubai. And it just seemed to me like a market which was really, really interesting to explore. When that opportunity go, came up to go over to bloody expo, you know, I was like, holy cow, this would be a really, really cool opportunity. And that, obviously, that expo was run in Dubai. Um, so everyone, yeah, it's clear, I guess. That. Well, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's one thing to
0: think about an opportunity, it's another thing to jump on it and actually do something about it and create the company, create the products. You know, absolutely execution is usually the biggest yeah. gap.
1: Yeah. I think, yeah, jumping from idea to actually shelf that. (laughs) There's a lot between there, eh? (laughs) It's a big, yeah, there's a lot going on. What have you learned? What's your key learning? Um, Oh, crikey. I'd say probably the biggest thing is keeping an eye on on your costs. We kind of, we went into it and I sort of had this idea around how much I was going to invest in the company of, you know, obviously my own money and, but we thought, oh, you know, launch a website. Everyone's just going to crowd the website, buy you out a product, and that'll be it, you know, and, and you're, you're away laughing. Absolutely not. We sat there for probably about six months, and I remember just sitting there, and I was like, holy crap, mum, we're not getting any sales, you know? And Is your mum your sales manager? No, <laughs> no <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> Lift your game, um, Yeah, no, and I was, I was like, okay, right, so what... um what should we do? And you know, then came on the opportunity of right, we need to we need to look at how we can deal with these sales and yeah. go into retail. And, you know, they'd hack away fifty percent of your margin. I would I had no idea, you know, I was yeah. you know, I didn't know about that. So keeping your costs down and, and I guess understanding your sales channel properly yeah. before calculating all your costs, because, you know, we overshot it hugely. We made nothing, you know, in our first batch. It was like 10% or whatever, because we'd spent so much on production.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You speak with the wisdom of someone much older than you. I don't want to be ageist, but these are lessons that are hard won over many years for many companies, and sometimes they never learn them, by the way. So it's just incredible to hear, you know, that you're learning those insights. How have you ploughed that back into the business, into Green Kiwi to, to keep it going?
1: I think one of the biggest things was When I went to Dubai, we sat down with a lot of different people and and we got to see a whole lot of different products and all the rest of it. One of those key things was actually looking at kind of, you know, what are the different forms of product that we can do. We were doing capsules initially and we still do. That's our only product that we sell at the moment. It's just New Zealand grown olive leaf in a capsule. I remember sitting there and, and Leslie pulls colleague, Leslie Kennedy from OFNZ, she said, oh, you know, why don't you add it to Honey Max?" And I sort of, it was one of those things, and it's like, holy crap, yeah, yeah, like honey is one of those things which is, we've got it all around us here in New Zealand, and that was kind of one of those, you're like, oh, yep, what about doing that, you know? And so we're kind of structuring our business, I guess, going to 2023, looking at how we can have two separate arms, a bulk supply arm providing to a honey company. Like an ingredients model. A, as an ingredients model, yeah. and then looking at actually, you know, our own brand and keeping that sort of localised. So yeah. it'll just, it'll be bulk supply overseas, but the arm which is providing the consumer product will be only local because, I mean, to fund a consumer product overseas is so expensive. Yeah. But oh, again,
0: yeah, it's just such, this it's incredible <laughs> to hear you say all this because these are the conversations that I worked in New Zealand Trade Enterprise for many years, these are the conversations that. Businesses have been around a while mm. who realize the concept that brand is very difficult to, to build a new brand. And so they have to do a partnership model or an ingredients yep. model and that sort of thing. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. Tell, um, tell me a little bit about the olive leaf itself. Mm. You know, what is mm. the benefit? Let's just put a little Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, olive leaf, uh, you know, not just New Zealand grown olive leaf, this is overall across the board. Doesn't matter where yeah, it but comes from. Better, eh? it's absolutely absolutely yeah, but ours are better, eh? Absolutely. Ours are better. I'd always argue that. The olive leaf supports immune system response and cardiovascular health. Um, So it's really high in uh, compounds called polyphenols. I don't want to go too overboard with the science, obviously, but there's 12 polyphenolics inside the leaf, main polyphenolic compounds. And what they've shown is they've got really, really high antioxidant levels, these phenolics. So they're they're scavenging for free radicals inside the body. So that's your antioxidant side. And what science has shown, so they've done a whole lot of clinical trials on olive leaf extract and people who are suffering from cardiovascular health problems, high blood pressure, and then also immune compromise individuals. And what they found, that olive leaf, because it's so high in antioxidants, supports your immune system through uh, boosting your cytokines, which are the chemical messengers that trigger immune system response, yep. and then cardiovascular health, which is largely, you know, is dependent on how healthy your arteries are and how easy it is for blood to pump through the body. So the antioxidants, basically, they clear out your um, the low-density lipoproteins in wow. the arteries, okay. helps blood to flow better, um, and obviously that, you know, reduces the strain on your heart. So we were yeah. You're not (laughs) going to go too deep. No, thank God for that, that you didn't go deep (laughs) on the chemistry. (laughs) Oh, that's
0: awesome. You you
1: clearly have learnt a lot. Or did you know all that before you got olive leaves? No, I didn't know any of it. I obviously knew it was good for your immune system. But um, we worked at a lab down in uh, Nelson called Corthron on how to test for the active compound olyropine. And funnily enough, the reason that, you know, we always say New Zealand-grown olive leaves are better is because ours contain over twice the amount of oliropium, which is one of the phenolics, versus Australian grind. So this is a functional benefit from it being grown here in New Zealand. Wow, and that's to do with the land and the air and just the quality of
0: soils. That's and so right, that. but the main or one bridal. is our sun. And oh, that's. The sun.
1: Yeah, so a lot, you know, we've suffered some, from some of the highest melanoma rates in the world, uh, and that's from our UVB. Uh, we've got a hole in our ozone layer, and oleuropein, the concentration is influenced by the amount of UVB that the tree's exposed to. Golly. Amazing. Yeah. you're a botanist as well as (laughs) a doctor. (laughs) Jesus, you're some sort of child
0: genius. Used to be a guy on TV when I was a kid called Doogie Howser. You remind me of him. Anyway, you've got the word kiwi. I love this about you. Not Mm. only are you proudly talking about how good our olive leaves are, but your company's got the word kiwi in it. Tell us about how you think about being from or of New Zealand.
1: Yeah, it's a funny one, eh? A lot of people think, you know, oh, if your product's from New Zealand, I guess it's going to be better and it's going to succeed. You know, there's always that kind of... People just love products from here, but there is, you know, there's a functional benefit from the product being from here. Yep. So it was just, I guess, a, we included it because it was a credit to the ingredient, yes. you know, it's from here. And that's, we're the only company that uses New Zealand grown olive leaves. Is that right? Yeah. So there's no other companies doing that. So that was kind of why we chose to put Kiwi in the name. And then obviously the product's green. So it's it yeah.
0: kind of <laughs> <laughs> green Kiwi. All like, right. Yeah, that's just a marketing genius that you are. <laughs> Um, so you, one of the things I've read is that you think about sustainability and mm. you're growing and you're, mm. uh, you know, through the supply chain. Tell us a little mm. bit about your thoughts on that.
1: Uh, yeah, sustainability is one of those things that's quite hard to achieve for any company. You know, there's sustainability, if you look at it, you know, you've got your economic sustainability, your environmental sustainability, and it's, it's environmental sustainability makes up one of the... What I believe is three. You've also got your social sustainability pillar. Yeah. But uh, yeah, environmental sustainability. What we try and do is we grow our trees, we harvest from our trees, and we bring that product through the marketplace. So it's what they call ver- a vertically integrated supply model. You know, yeah. it's so because we've got full control. We can, for example, those leaves that we harvest we can take them off of a byproduct which is the pruning waste at a certain time of the year yeah so that's that's pretty unique you know you're not monocropping a whole area out and pruning <laughs> basically killing the tree well yeah you're, you're taking it off of a pruning you know you're taking mm. it off of a, off of a pruning which would generally be a waste product anyway from the from the oil right so that's one of the key ways I guess we incorporate environmental sustainability we keep our production local so you know you're not bringing in ingredients from miles across the planet to here yeah. It's one of those things that you can, you know, you can do a lot
0: of things for. Do you talk about that sort of thing in your marketing? And, you know, when you're you're out there talking to consumers, you talk about obviously the health benefits and the human care for humans. But, you know, kaitiakitanga, as you said
1: earlier, is about also care for the planet. Do you bring that into your messaging? Try to, as much as we can. People always want to know what does the product do, not what what it's a, you know, it's always so efficacy-focused, you know, how does it perform so it's quite hard to actually communicate that as well but there are elements where we will bring it in and and demonstrate social media you know is is quite a powerful tool in that respect because you can talk about it yeah, and not just you know your your packaging there's not enough space to put that kind of
0: stuff on that's true (laughs) you've got to be careful I suppose what claims you make as
1: well also to get
0: into the medicinal area
1: yeah it is it's uh, actually believe it or not the piece of legislation in New Zealand which covers natural products is extremely outdated it's from the 1980s Mm. Um, and there's going to be a reform on it. So we're quite loose, actually, in comparison to Australia, which is quite interesting. But, you know, all your claims have got to be backed by science. You can never say it supports something directly. You've always got to use the word, you know, supports yeah, and that sort of thing. You know, it's quite...
0: Fantastic. You must have to learn a lot of that as you mm. think about growing a multinational business into the UAE that's or right. Australia, except you're having to learn these different
1: approaches. Yeah, yeah, and that's where, you know, you need really good mentors. You know, you've you've got to have people who have grown businesses overseas and, yeah, that was the biggest takeaways actually from that trip to Dubai was when we sat down with trade commissioners and OFNZ yep. to talk about, you know, what's it like to actually operate a business in this market because it's very different to here in New Zealand, yep. you know, there's, and legislation is one of those things yep. that you've got to actually dig quite deep into, you know. And it's,
0: it's hard to, for if you've only ever worked in New Zealand to realise that New Zealand is the easiest place in the world to do business. It is, yeah. You go right. anywhere else by definition it's going to be harder and yep. sometimes much harder mm-hmm. and so, but a New Zealand business just has to find that out sometimes. You know, Mm. New Zealand Trading Enterprise and others will definitely
1: help navigate, but boy, there's nothing like being in the market. Exactly. That's right. Yep, absolutely. I mean, NZT does a fantastic job as well, you know, of of steering people in the right direction.
0: You mentioned that you haven't taken on any investment. You've grown organically. That's right.
1: What would happen if someone came up to you tomorrow and said, here's a couple of million bucks? What would you do with it? What would we do if we had a couple of million bucks... I actually don't know. I think we would probably put it into our export market. We would probably research that a bit more. With what you know, how we're going at the moment, we can actually cover the local market just organically without without any investment, pretty well. But I think when it comes to export, we would probably throw it all into into marketing in that market. Brand um, brand marketing. That yeah, sort of thing. yeah, wow. absolutely. It'd be a hard thing to do. with with like production. People quite often companies, you know, you need a whole lot of different. You've got to have your your factories and your whatnot and all the rest of it. We all contract almost everything out, so that helps and hugely. So you don't uh, own any plants no, or equipment? Exactly. Or need to hire all the no, process engineers? No, that's right. So we we con- I mean we contract out our scientists. We contract out our um, our manufacturing, mm. and we've got a very very good relationship with those people that we contract out to, which I absolutely love, and I love not being responsible for, <laughs> for machine breaks. <laughs> Someone else's <laughs> problem. Know, that's right. It's not my. You know, it's not our problem. Right. So. Yeah, it's quite if we had a million bucks, I wouldn't go putting it into machinery. I'd probably actually more look at, you know, how we can grow the brand recognition overseas and yeah, I don't know, maybe release another product overseas as well. Nice. You know? Yeah. To what extent do you think the brand, the New Zealandness
0: of your brand mm. is an asset?
1: Hugely so. I always say, you know, New Zealand should only be producing what we're good at producing. You know, we shouldn't just be producing it for the sake of saying it's from New Zealand. In our respect, there's actually a functional benefit of it being grown here. The whole New Zealand story around, you know, we've got clean air, we we care for people in place. All those things play a part into our product and that storytelling plays a part into the product. But ultimately, you know, if you're, if your product, if there's no benefit of it being from the country why would you have it from here you know and that's it's quite a
0: hard thing to you sound like you're ticking a lot of boxes for the the brand and the efficacy of the product (laughs) and uh, an amazing company it. well done max thank you very much and so max you work with another one of our fernmark licensed companies actually who's a partner of ours as well trust codes putting
1: the the qr code on the side of the of the packaging tell us about that it was our second year doing the Young Enterprise Scheme. And I reached out to Paul and Emma Wheeler from uh, Trust Codes. I saw them actually through after we became license holders. You know, you guys promote all your different. And I saw what they were doing. I like, oh, you know, that's interesting. It was a honey company that was that I work with uh, Mike, but he's from Manicora, and they were using their product as well. And um, it just seemed like a very, very good way on how we could protect our product from counterfeit products if we were to go, you know, into Dubai. Um, So we got that across the line uh, just before going overseas. And we are looking at launching that onto the liquid product into 2023 as well. But, yeah, it's just a very, very powerful tool on how we can protect the brand because, obviously, you know, there's a unique code applied to every single product and there's a... um, an authenticity verification uh, user experience that comes up on the smartphone, which is almost you know impossible to copy. So people can you know, they've got the confidence in knowing that it's it is what it is and it's not a, a fraudulent product. You know, Brilliant. and they can they can they can trace it. It was very clever. They can trace the product right back to exactly where it's grown they can trace it right back to the GPS coordinates of where that olive tree was grown, which is in that product, which Amazing. is quite
0: cool. It's quite an incredible yeah, uh, solution, right. isn't it? Yeah, yeah and it's and many consumers won't realise that that's what's behind it, but it goes
1: to that point you said right at the beginning, trust. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's such an important component, especially in the actual product industry because there's so many, there's a lot of doubt You've got to win over the, the customers th- through trust because ultimately, you know, they're taking it in their bodies. They need to know that it works. That's so, yeah, it's so important. You've utilised the Fernmark. mark, you know, it's clear
0: this podcast series is about companies yep. that are using the Fernmark. and mm. I think you're the youngest entrepreneur I've ever met that's seized on to that fact as well, tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so the Fernmark obviously is a widely recognised icon and there's a lot of brands out there using it and what we've found is a lot of those companies that are using it are largely very trusted brands, you know, the the big Kiwi exporters. And for us as a very small natural health company, and also me being quite young, there's a huge trust problem that you've got to overcome. You know, it doesn't matter how many scientists you have behind you or how much investment you have behind you, there's always going to be that, there's always that scepticism towards your age, you know. Yep. It was a clear way on how to build trust with our consumers, our retailers, they associate that, Mark, with other brands that they see and, yep. and know, and... Uh, as a result, there's just that mutual, yeah. a mutual leverage, you know, like a halo effect that you yeah. that you get as well. That's exactly,
0: fan, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful to have you as, as <laughs> someone flying the furnace, we call it, and it's um, and doing it in a really innovative way. I mean, you've you've seen a market opportunity and you've gone for it with a, with a unique product that has mm. depth to it, you know, and you've got real credibility. I know you're still at university at the moment, aren't you? Mm, you started, yeah. What are you studying just uh, now? I'm doing
1: a Bachelor of Commerce. Um, right, I think you tick that box, mate. I think you, you can you can count on getting that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting one, of course, but yeah, it's good. It's quite hard to balance everything, but we'll keep yeah,
0: because that was going to be my question. <laughs> yeah. You've got the business going now that you started yep. when you were in Young Enterprise, so yep. still at
1: secondary school, but mm. now still going while you're going mm. through college. How do you mm. balance
0: the? expectations of university and running a business?
1: It's a hard one. It is quite hard and there's probably weeks and you're like it's quite difficult but the university actually has a centre for entrepreneurship at Canterbury and we work out of there when I'm here, obviously, and obviously we're still up north as well. But it's really good. There's a whole lot of different small startup companies based out of there, and we're all kind of working out of the same. Spot. Do you learn
0: from other entrepreneurs who are working in the university environment as well? Yep,
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, we've never done an investment round, um, so I'm not very good with that sort of stuff. And there's a lot of companies up there that have done investment, well, so right. I think when the time comes, that'll be a huge, you know, we'll really be able to learn from that. When you want um, to scale that production right yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And once I've finished, you know, once I've finished my course, course, and we can go full bore, it'll be quite good And again, off. you sort of led to my, my question, what's next? So
0: you're going to you finish university, yeah. and you're going to go straight back into Green Kiwi and um,
1: take it multinational. It's quite hard. Like, we're, we're releasing a new product next year, which is a, um, a liquid product, and then obviously we want to build out that ingredient supply arm as well. And then, yeah, hopefully once I've finished, I can just, we can obviously get more retailers in the country stocking the liquid and get some more clients for the ingredient I guess fantastic yeah, we'll to, see
0: today New Zealand and, uh, and tomorrow the world <laughs> oh Max thank you very much for talking to us and thanks for flying the third cool no worries thank you very much for having me <laughs> thank you so much for listening this podcast series is all about highlighting the amazing work New Zealand companies are doing in a variety of sectors and spaces if you like this episode, there's plenty more great stories from Flying the Fern Podcast that you can listen to. Just go ahead and check them out where you found this one. We're also highlighting the Fernmark Licence Program, which we talked about during the episode. The Fernmark is our national symbol and a country of origin mark that helps Kiwi businesses promote trust, authenticity, and credibility by leveraging the good reputation that New Zealand has overseas. To find out more or to apply to be part of the program, head to our website, fernmark.nzstory.govt.nz. And lastly, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps others find us. Hi there for now.